Welcome to Melanated Stamps. Melanated Stamps, a podcast highlighting and showcasing the stories of black and brown global chocolates. to chat with you. Um, Happy Veterans Day to everyone. That's the whole reason I'm doing this podcast episode. That and also it's been forever like it was the time before this episode and time before that one since I put out uh, an episode. I'm trying to get better. I said that the last time but for real for real. I'm on this challenge where I'm trying to get my life together for the next 100 days and so I am committed to posting on Instagram and putting out episodes on a more regular basis, aiming for every two weeks, which was the original goal, but you know. So, happy Veterans Day. Um, I decided to talk about this one because of a really special experience that I had in Montenegro. Um, I think the last episode that I did was on Montenegro, but I can't remember sure yeah yeah it was um when I was in Montenegro I was minding my own business at the at the beach and um you know being in Europe you realize how hypersexualized like the western culture is not just western culture I'm sorry because Montenegro is in the west but um the American side of things is like it is so grossly sexual when and we make body parts sexual when it, they really are just body parts. And now that I'm in my 30s and coming to terms with a whole bunch of things from, from growing up and from lessons that I've learned and things that I've gathered from people over the years, I, I, I'm seeing that um, just like being in a bathing suit causes me a significant amount of anxiety because I'm like, oh gosh, did I shave my legs? Am I too hairy? Am I too chubby? Or my boobs too big? Or my butt's too small? Or this suit shows too much? Or it shows too little? Or am I being sexy? Or I don't want to be sexy because then I'll get, I'll make really bad choices with my body and all of like this rabbit hole of, of thinking. And that all came from America. Um, but then you go over to the to other parts of the world, literally anywhere else, and people are out in speedos and with all their chub and their cellulite, like not giving two f's about what their body looks like, and they're just like, "Yep, I'm here to swim with my family, and it's great." And I think that's beautiful. I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. And when I was in Montenegro, that was one of my um, learning learning times. So. I got to the beach, and I kind of do regret it a lot, but there was a new beach, and that is on my bucket list, but I'm not confident fully yet in doing that, um, because I don't really want to see anyone else's jiggly body parts and penises and vaginas, and, like, I just, oh, God, I just, I don't know, I just don't want to do it, but I should have went, because I was 8,000 miles away, nobody would have seen me or cared, but, mm, 
next time. So I go to the beach, and there are thousands of people out there. Maybe hundreds. Um, yeah, let's do hundreds of people. And they're all minding their own business and playing in the water, and it's beautiful. Montenegro is beautiful. And it's super cheap, and it's great, and it's just so pretty. Like, the blue is the blue water, and the water is actually clean because there's not a lot of pollution, and the fish are happy, and the kids are happy, and the uncles and aunties and grandpas and grandpa and grandchildren are all happy and playing, and it's beautiful, right? Um, and then there's me, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do because, like, I need to change into my swimsuit. So I duck behind a car, switch out my swimsuit real quick and then I start prancing around and I was like oh I gotta breathe <sighs> I'm the only black girl here so it's fine they've probably never seen a black person before maybe they have on TV I don't know but and I walk through the people like hyperventilating like do they see my butt are they like scared of my boobs like do they do they know that I exist and literally nobody was giving two fucks and it was wild Oh, and it was just so nice. So I was like, well, hopefully they don't steal my things. So I had my wallet. I had my pair of keys from the um, hostel that I was staying at. And then I had just, I don't know, maybe a snack. I'm not really sure. And hundreds of people all with their umbrellas and things. And I was like, well, I'm not paying nobody for nobody's umbrella. Like, I'll just burn. It's fine. And then... um I was like, where should I put all my things? And so I, like, grab a little tiny, you know, square meter, three square feet worth of spot. And I was like, well, I really hope they don't steal my things. But I guess it's Montenegro and it's not, like, I don't know, Miami where they actually steal things. And so I put myself, my stuff over there and then I just walked over and I, like, played in the water. And then I got out and I played in the water some more and got out and played in the water some more and then I got out. And then um, I went to go rest near my stuff then I of course I lost where my stuff was and I was like oh god somebody stole it but it was actually perfectly fine where I left it because you're not in America where people steal things and not just America but like I wasn't in a place where people would have been out looking for things to steal like it was a very safe area because they were just people minding their own business and wanting to play in the water rather than like capitalizing on wealth which is one of the joys of like traveling in places and going places where that are like off the beaten path because nobody is going to steal your stuff because nobody's there to care. They're there to live their own lives. Um, yeah, so I sat down and then all of a sudden I hear like the, hey, hey. And I was like, oh God, somebody knows me. And I turn around and they were like, would you like to share our towel? do you want to share the towel? And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm good. And well, I really should have sat on the towel. And then they, and then like 30 seconds later, I was like, this is going to be a moment. And I am being super antisocial. Okay. And then I turned to them and I'm like, you know what? Yes, I would like to share your towel. And they got so excited and it was adorable and they like scooch over and then they like got me a little spot and I, I was in the shade under their umbrella and they were like you you are from America you're from America and I was like yes I am yes I am I'm from America and they were like wow it was so cool and then they like asked me questions and I was like do you want to know something 
and they asked me a few questions and they were just so excited you they were like you are the first american we have ever seen or ever talked to we are just so happy you are here to spend time with us and i was like oh thanks because sometimes you go places and they're just mad at my whole country and they like by proxy are mad at me and i was like but i didn't do nothing to y'all but so it's nice to be appreciated and I was like, well, tell me about yourself. And they were like, oh, we're Albanians and we're here um, relaxing in Montenegro. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I really want to, like, you're, you're, I want to, like, explore some more because your country and this area of, town, of the world is absolutely beautiful. And they're like, yes, yes, it is. We love it so much. And they were like, so they asked about my family and I told them. And then I said, yeah, my dad's in the military. And they were like, oh, American military? And I was like, yeah. He served in the military for almost 30 years. And they were like, oh, my goodness. And then they got really, really silent. And I was like, something wrong? Did something happen? And then they, they thought through their words. And they were like, and then, like, tears started to, like, form in their eyes. And they were like, Please, please, please tell your dad. We are Albanians, and we are from Kosovo, and we, he saved us. He saved us. Tell him we said thank you. He saved us. And at that moment, I became grateful for my dad's service. When you're a military kid, you have a love-hate relationship with the, with the job and for whom your parent serves. Um, one, because um, depending on the branch and depending on so many factors, but, but basically like your, your parents or for me, my father wasn't always there. Like he missed out on lots of my brother's soccer games he missed out on piano recitals he wasn't available for when i was in middle school or high school he was gone and he would be gone for two or three months or sometimes a year and sometimes six months like he missed he missed a lot he missed a lot um and most i, I don't know like a lot of it was because of his military service and so they often say for military kids and military families that like it's not just the person who like wears the uniform that um, serves their country, but the whole family serves their country. Um, and so we all, if you have a parent in active duty military, um, we all need to celebrate Veterans Day. Um, because like my mom, my brother and I, like we didn't go to war, but like we sacrificed a lot um, for my dad's service. And so, but in that, like I'm so proud to be a military person and, or military kid, and also the the pride that I get from sharing uh, that of my experiences with having a military father are special. Also, you know, military kids are just a little bit crazy when it comes to being able to build um, interpersonal relationships. Like we all struggle with that because of the amount of um, I don't know, just the amount of inability to or inconsistency and transiency within our relationships like sometimes you have a best friend named Sarah and then all of a sudden Sarah's gone and 
sometimes your dad's here, sometimes they're not, sometimes you're moving, sometimes you're not. And our family, we didn't move a lot, but, like, people around us were always moving. And then during my um, high school and middle school years, we moved to a community where there weren't people in the military, and so they didn't understand us for many reasons. Um, Probably, like, 93% of it was because we were black and doing exceptionally well as human individuals and couldn't understand because they were racist. And then the 7%, maybe 80, 20, I don't know, but, like, Um, The other part was because they weren't military and they didn't understand how we were able to function and, like, how our family unit was able to function. Um, So that's part of the reason why I have mixed feelings. The second thing that I have mixed feelings about is, um, you know, as I've grown and, and as I read and as I learn and as I am willing to change my opinions on things, um, I recognize and I see patterns in the USA that were not taught to me before um and so in all in situations uh that the U.S. has been a part of like the U.S. like we are taught in um the American version of history that the U.S. is out to like we are the grand strong people and we're here to quote unquote help and save the world and and all of this, but it often has to do with a selfish intent that has nothing to do with the people that we are quote unquote saving. But in that in in that we we quote unquote save quote unquote um, the people uh, may or may you know we may stop horrible things from happening around the world, but it, there's always something that the U.S. is getting um, getting in return, and so. Um, when I was young, I loved my country. I knew so many things about the United States of American history that I was taught. And I loved the wars, and I loved the patriotism and the nationalism, and I was all for the USA um, until I think it was through like high school because I, I took an AP U.S. history class that I adored the professor. His name was Mr. Clow. And he was fantastic. And he served, like, 30 years in the Special Forces and, like, did all of, like, the things that that we will never find out until, like, the 70 years of CIA things have, like, like the records open up. We're not going to know what he did until then. And it would be so cool because, like, he would talk in history class about, like, um, you know, he would he was such a dynamic individual with, like, these crazy eyebrows. And then um, he would start talking about things and parts of the world and get super excited. And then he'd be like, and then the people, and then when I was there, and then, and he would stop. And then he'd say, oh, I can't tell you that. Never mind. And we would be like, oh, man, Mr. Cloud, it was wild. And I loved it. So, like, I have so many fond memories. And I know so many people in my family, like, multiple generations, um, aunts and cousins and uncles and grandparents and my father and so, so, so many people um, who have served. And I honor their sacrifice and I honor the, um, the journey that they chose for themselves in um, supporting our country and supporting our freedoms, freedom, quote unquote. So, I love it. However, 
there are 18 sides to a story. And they originally, they were, they, you know, they said that there were two sides to every story, but they're really like 18, sometimes like 28, 28, 35, whatever. But there's so many different ways to look at a solitary event or a solitary war, really. And so I don't know who to believe. And basically, I just take bits and pieces um, of stories. And I now at this stage of my life and in this stage of me growing as um, as I dismantle whiteness within my own soul and um, take stances that are more um, oppressed-centric rather than oppressor-centric, I um, gravitate towards the stories of those who um, were, were impacted rather than those who impacted, which means that it takes a lot of time to figure things out. Okay. Um, also, the USA is a bully. There are so many things in the U in the world where we had no business being in, and we were just trying to provide our way through things, and it was horrible. Um, and then there's also the perspective of, like, whiteness and capitalism and defending and powers and religion that really had nothing to do with religion but was disguised as power and really just ego and superego. Um... So there's that side, too, that I take um, with a grain of salt. Um, then I travel a lot, and I see um, all over the world how the U.S. has impacted positively and horrendously, and it's shocking. And... Um, it's the story that is not taught to us, and that is what's infuriating. Is like I go places and I'm and the, like I'll just sit and I'll talk to these old men who have nothing else to do except tell them about tell about their lives. You know, sitting on some bench. I'm like, huh? You speak English? Tell me about your life or whatever. And they're like, oh, your country did X, Y, and Z, and that's what happened to my family. And that's you know everybody died, and it's because y'all your country. And I'm like, God dang it. I didn't have nothing to do with that. I am so sorry, and I want to hear your story so that I can tell people in the on the small, little, tiny platform that I have. Um, yeah, so it's it's hard. It is so hard to balance all of these pieces, um, and this is one of them. And I and I'll tell you now. I don't know the whole story of Kosovo. I I don't. Um, and I was trying to research it online, and I'll post a couple links on my on my website, melanatedstamps.com, to like to so that you can also do your research um, on um, on this region of the world because I don't quite understand it, and I don't know who to believe. I'm not sure, but what I do know is that when I was in high school and when I was in yeah, high school and middle school. My father um, served in Kosovo, and he served in that part of the world. And I didn't even know where Kosovo was. Um, and I also had students that were from, or who, uh, they're, so when I was teaching at the university, let's see, um, I had students who were, at the time, 18 to 20 and that was approximately six years ago. And so they, as toddlers, escaped from Bosnia, Yugoslavia, well, mostly Bosnians, and they their parents escaped with their toddler children to the USA. And I 
taught those then toddlers, now college students, six years ago, um, I taught them at the university public speaking, and I heard their stories time and time again of how even as toddlers, like they hear and heard um, bombing, and they still remember it, and they remember escaping and not having food and having this, you know, having such horrendous um, war-induced trauma. So I don't know. Um, and then you have the USA who was over there. We're not really sure what they did and why and all of this. And we have like some big fam famous guy and another fam famous guy and they were beefing and the people, um, they, the, I don't know who, who was doing what. I don't know. Um, but do your research. Let me know what you find out. Send me some, send me some things that I can learn more. Um, but yeah. Um, and when I talked to the people on the beach, um, I was I was so humbled and I was taken aback because my whole life I had a and probably still do have a complex because like my dad was not there for my piano recitals. My dad was not there to play with me at my house. My dad was not there to take me to church all the time. My dad wasn't there to listen to me sing. My dad wasn't there for so, 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 so many things. And that is forever etched in my heart um, and soul, and it significantly still and forever will impact um, how I see the world, how I see uh, the military, the USA, so many things. Um, but, that, but talking with those people on the beach, when they looked at me with their tears with tears in their eyes and they were like thank you because your dad saved us that's when I realized that wow my dad really does do something important and although those years of sadness and having to explain and or lie to people about like where my dad is and all of this and my you know child child language like I I that part of my soul healed at that moment in uh, Montenegro, talking to the folks from Kosovo who um, survived a genocide. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And when I was talking to the people in, um, in Montenegro, the late, the other, so I was talking mostly to the guy, he was probably like 22, 26. And then he had a, a sister and the sister was like, um, do you like our, do you like this country? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like literally beautiful. Like literally go to Montenegro and just sit at the beach and like look at the trees because it's so nice. Um, and then I was like, yes, but I also want to come to your country too. And she goes, oh my gosh, really? You will come? And I was like, absolutely. I will 100% come. Uh, I don't know when, but best believe I have friends and sometimes it takes me a year or two sometimes it takes me 10 but if I have an invitation I will come to your country eventually and I will not forget and I will come find you and I will sleep on your couch and she goes oh my gosh that's amazing when you come I will bake you a special pie and I was like word you're gonna make me pie I'm so there and so now because I decided to sit on a blanket, I now have an invitation to Kosovo to eat some pie. And 
a lot of it has to do with my dad serving in the military and uh, so many so many feelings and so much um, gratitude and humility um, to know that my sacrifice because of my dad's sacrifice literally saved lives and it's kind of it's worth not having my dad at piano recitals like it really is um and it took 30 years and 20 years 30 years to get to the point where I can be grateful for um the Miss Bloom recitals so in this um happy Veterans Day to everyone um it is not just a day for just just to like take the day off like there are hundreds of thousands millions of people who have died um, for the moving forward of our country whether you agree or not the with the heinous things that my country has done to other parts of the world and the heinous things that other countries have done to other parts of the world like uh, war is horrendous and I wish there was no need to have a military, but until like they're like everyone decides to be friends at the exact same moment, we're gonna still have military and we're still gonna have Veterans Day and we're still gonna have Memorial Day and we're still going to have um, to or to grapple with the history of the history of the USA and then also grapple with whose side is taught and making sure that we advocate for all sides to be taught and expose or and expose um, all the generations, especially the kids, to the not so great side of the USA and also the great side. Like, you know, all of it needs to be taught. And so hopefully if you're an educator or if you are if you're an educator Hopefully, um, take this as an encouragement to um, explore and and teach all sides of history. If you are a traveler, sit down on a blanket that is offered to you and ask questions and talk to people. That's, you know, as I travel, people are always asking me, um, Janaya, how do you travel so cheap? And, like, how do you, like, get all these stories from people? And I'm like, literally when I have the opportunity to talk to someone that far exceeds me taking these expensive tours with all these white traveling people to listen to, um, or to listen to history that may or may not be the truth and, um, see the sides of the country that are going to bring in the most money to the country. And so I, travel cheap and I'm able to travel cheap because I'm willing to literally sit on, sit and talk to people when they offer me a blanket. And so if you're a traveler, sit and talk to people. Um, listen to stories. If you are a human being, listen to people's stories. If you are a person with any sort of privilege, sit down and, and take in and, and be willing to challenge the paradigm that you are most familiar with and the paradigm that you are most comfortable with um, and the paradigm that you learned. Um, because that's not the whole story. 
So yes, um, on this day, that's my encouragement to you. And I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your week. And I hope that you are able to rest and recuperate and um, start planning for your 2020 because it is coming. Um, so yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, please join me on Instagram. I am learning how to do Instagram. I'm currently terrible, but I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm really, really trying to learn, learn all these hashtags and like how to be cool. So yes, add me on it or add me or follow me. I don't even know what you do. But like, um, do that thing on Instagram. Um, my hashtag is melanated stamps. So it's M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D stamps, S-T-A-N-P-S. And it's the same melanatedstamps.com if you want to check out the links and the photo that I had of the person that offered me cake, or I'm sorry, offered me pie in um, Montenegro. And um, I hope that you are able to, uh, oh, so no, 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 not I hope. Um, please share and tag yourself with Melanated Stamps um, if you have a regular story um, of you doing something abroad. It doesn't really matter that it's something like Instagram worthy. I'm looking for like ordinary stories. You like if you are drinking a cup of coffee in some country like tag that with melanated stamps. You don't just have to be in some sexy bathing suit like with all the dope filters. Like that's not the point of traveling abroad. Yes, that's cool, but melanated stamps is for the regular black and brown Americans who are traveling and um, transforming lives and learning and growing abroad. So do that thing. Um, thank you so much for listening and for supporting my vision and go forth and